0: Your career success is ultimately up to you. It's not up to your boss or your manager. So if you're really yearning for a promotion or recognition or higher compensation, then you need to take the wheel and drive yourself places.
1: Hello and welcome to the Brand New You Show, the podcast dedicated to helping you build a credible brand. I'm your host, Ryan Roten, and today's guest is Adrian Tom, founder of Career Impressions. Adrian creates branded, keyword-rich executive resumes and job search communications for astute leaders across North America to help top professionals level up and land a job faster. Adrian, it's my pleasure to welcome you to the Brand New You Show.
0: Thank you so much, Ryan. I'm very excited to be here.
1: I'm excited to have you on the show today because I got a lot of fun questions to ask you. But before we get into the really fun stuff, I have one question that I like to ask all of my guests, which is, if you could vacation in only one place for the rest of your vacation days, where would you go? This
0: one was easy for me, especially at this point in my life, Hawaii. And I'm really not picky about which island, preferably all of them. And this is likely stemming from the fact that where I'm located here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, we had a very long cold winter. You know, I'm a Calgarian through and through, um, so this is nothing new to me, but I think um, having some warmer weather every now and then would be
1: wonderful. That's funny, (laughs) Calgarian. That sounds like something from the Game of Thrones.
0: (laughs) Oh, really? Okay, it makes us sound a lot more fancy than we probably are.
1: All right, cool. So let's go ahead and dive in. How did you decide to get started into the career space? What drew you into that as a profession?
0: It's a good question. So I say my story is I always wanted to be a writer. Um, I studied English lit as an undergrad, and I was pretty certain I'd end up in a job that revolved somewhat around writing. Either technical writing or copywriting. Um, However, when I graduated, there wasn't a lot of opportunities in that space. So, you know, I sleuthed out kind of my next best option and I ended up working back on campus uh, for the engineering internship office. And from there, I went on to work in a few different roles in their main career services office, supporting students with job search and, and networking with employers. And then after the birth of my first child, you know, I didn't really want to return to a traditional nine to five job. So my husband, and he's really going to love that I said this because he likes to take credit for this. He <laughs> suggested that I go out on my own in the career services space. And I'm not going to lie. This was really never part of my plan. Um, I never really saw myself as an entrepreneur. Um, I didn't really have any idea about how to run a business business. Um, but I started researching and it, it quickly became apparent that there was a real need uh, for this type of service um, in the market. And you know, keep in mind this was 10 plus years ago before the career industry really exploded. And you know, when I was doing my research, a lot of people said to me, you know, no one's gonna pay you to write a resume for them or to help you with their job search. And I disagreed, you know. So not only was that feedback a little bit of a motivator for me, um, but I'm so glad I didn't listen because the moment I opened the doors, there was instant high demand for this type of service. And so fast forward to today, I am the writer I always wanted to be. I write career stories for some of the world's biggest and brightest business minds, and I wouldn't have changed a thing about the journey I took to get here.
1: No one's going to pay you. Wow, that's right. That's uh, well. I mean, let's let's face it. It's worse to hear it from other people, but you know that everybody who gets started as a business, that's like a fear that you have. Yes, is that you're gonna you're gonna quote hang a shingle, and people are gonna come to you just for free advice. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. So as you as you got started, what were some of the challenges that you faced? Then I assume one of them was um, getting over that hump of thinking or maybe the challenge of proving others wrong that no one's going to pay you.
0: For sure. You know, I was definitely motivated to do that, but to be fair, I think one of the biggest challenges for me was honestly just the high unexpected demand and the difficulty of keeping up with that. You know, I started out thinking this was going to be maybe a bit of a more casual side gig for me while I was raising my kids and it took off a lot faster than I expected or was ready for. So I think, you know, as far as those concerns were about no one's going to pay me, uh, you know, that was left in the dust pretty quickly. Um, But again, you know, I had no real background in running a business, I honestly didn't feel ready to scale it to the level that I think it was pushing for at that time in my life. So I had to really pump the brakes hard at times, um, to slow things down and keep things running at a pace that I was most comfortable with. And from that, I've coined the term slow burn, And this is something I regularly share with other um, business owners or new career professionals who reach out to me for advice. Um, I think we live in a world where people really press and encourage rapid business growth. And sometimes that's just not possible, you know, or it's just not instantly achievable. And honestly, that's okay. Um, I strongly believe in building and growing your business in a way that works best for you. And it's okay to go slow. And it's kind of a mantra that I've always lived by.
1: Yeah, I love it. Um, and I know, you know, as much as being a relatively new business owner myself, mm-hmm. I know as, as much as you want to increase your revenue and as much as you want your business to grow, uh, there's a lot of things that go with that that you don't anticipate <laughs> when right. you first get started. One of, one of which is, you know, like I, I can imagine for you in your case, you like to write so if you were if you allowed your business to really take off one of the things you might have to do is actually pull yourself out of the process that you love the most. Yes. Which I think is something that a lot of entrepreneurs don't think about or consider when they when all they think about is just growth growth growth.
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I thought about a lot of different models at the time and I did bring in different writers to my team and I tried out different things. But you're right, my passion lied within the actual work itself and so I needed to make sure I had enough time to apply myself to that.
1: Now you said something earlier about unexpected demand. Mm-hmm. So I imagine you didn't just put up a website and you know LLC your business, <laughs> if you will, you know, and then boom, all these people were knocking at your door. Mm-hmm. How did how did you how did you start to promote your business when you when you got it started? What were steps that you took to make sure that people knew mm-hmm. that you were actually do, taking part in doing this now for a living?
0: So I mean, this was don't forget about a decade ago, right? When I first hung my shingle and I did just kind of put a website up and it did generate me quite a bit of leads at it the did? time. Okay. Things have changed a lot, right? So I do, I do know that things have changed, but I also feel that, you know, I was a fairly early adopter of social media. Again, thinking back, this was before it was like, whoo, the scale is today. And I jumped on every available platform at the time, you know, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. I learned everything I could and I leveraged each of those things fully to get myself visibility. Um, And, you know, and social media still plays a big part in my business today, particularly LinkedIn, right? I feel like this is where my people reside. And by people, I don't just mean my ideal clients, but my career community, And this is where I go to engage and connect people every day, right? Uh, It drives new business my way, but it also helps me build relationships. Um, And so LinkedIn has always been kind of the center of my business. And a couple examples of that is, um, I don't know if you remember or how long you've been on LinkedIn, but way back in the day, they rolled out some sort of recognition about, you know, you're in the top Mm -hmm. 10% most viewed profiles or 1%. And I found myself in that top 1% and I thought, really, like, how is that possible? I hadn't been doing that much work on it. I didn't consider myself an expert at it at the time. But it just, it it proved to me that what I was doing was working and that I needed to keep doing it. And so I did. And then in 2013, LinkedIn themselves reached out to me, uh, the company, and they actually hired me on as a contractor to write copy for their site for job seekers. And this was before the publishing platform existed. Um, So again, I really feel like all of those opportunities to get visible on social media has driven not just, um, business leads my way, but different opportunities for my business.
1: That's awesome. I do remember the, I I think I got one of the emails. I was in like the top 5% and then, and then like it. It stopped. I never got another email again, and I thought I kept thinking, "Well, what did I do wrong?"
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just think they did it the one time, right? Just the one time, and we're all like, "Wow, this is really cool." But yeah, we got over it fast.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, what was it? What was it like work, uh, working directly for LinkedIn and and writing for them? And I mean, I assume you were putting out content on this. This was before they bought Pulse, I assume.
0: Yes. Okay. So this was for their Job Seeker Premium site. So. Okay paid for the premium account way back then. I know it was a lot different than it is now. You'd get access to different content. And there were several um, career professionals like myself on the team. And we had a schedule and we put up content and it was great. You know, I like, I love the opportunity. It was good visibility for me and my business. And it was um, good practice for me to learn how to write um, better copy that way.
1: So I'm curious, uh, since we're on the topic of LinkedIn, I'm going to go ahead and stay on LinkedIn. Obviously, it's important for you. Mm-hmm. Why do you think LinkedIn is important for just any career professional or most career professionals?
0: So I think for you know for us as a community, it's important for us to demonstrate um, you know a level of understanding of not just the site because that's what we sometimes help support our clients with. But it also demonstrates, you know, our own thought leadership in the space. So like you said, it's good to put out content. I think that um, it, it helps people. And, and that's always the goal. I want to put out meaningful quality content uh, that resonates with the type of clients that are looking for people like me. And so anybody in my space, you know, who's working just like myself, I think there's lots of opportunity there to help people, but also, you know, of course, drive new business leads your way.
1: Yeah. One of the, one of the um, posts you put out recently that um, I thought was really good. Actually, you put out so many that it's hard. It was, it was really hard to pick just one. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) Um, You know, that, that like kind of made me, made me stop and go, okay, wait a minute. This is a good question. But like, I mean, everybody knows you're supposed to, or let me rephrase. Most people know they're supposed to have a presence or a profile on LinkedIn. A lot of people don't understand. Once they have that, what they should do with it. Right. So put out content is obviously one thing. But what do you think is one of the keys to boosting or raising engagement on LinkedIn so that, you know, people who are actively either searching for a job or even passively searching for a job kind of start to raise their visibility on the platform?
0: Right, so I think you know it all just boils down to consistency. So you want to have consistent active engagement. Um, you need to be you know regularly on the site to fully reap reward of the platform. Um, so if getting active seems overwhelming or scary, which it can be for people, right? There, it's a whole new world, so to speak. I always recommend breaking it down into smaller steps. So maybe they start out with just. 10 minutes a day of visiting the site, of reading through the feed, liking and commenting on one or two posts of interest. Um, And then maybe you graduate your engagement to starting to share your own thought leadership, right? Because you want to use the site to increase your own personal visibility, especially if you're you're doing a job search. And this can be done by you can comment on other people's posts. That's always a great start. Or you can start compiling and sharing posts of your own. Um I always say, you know, when people visit your profile, they can see very clearly what your recent engagement has been. You know, right near the top there, and I always say it's like a freshness snap. Um, If you haven't engaged in activity for a long while, your profile is going to say that to people who visit it and you're going to look stagnant or even possibly disengaged. So demonstrate that you're both savvy with the site and savvy in your area of expertise um, by consistently engaging on a regular basis.
1: A freshness snap. I like that.
0: Stamp, stamp. Sorry, that was a little slurry there. A freshness stamp.
1: No, that was probably me. (laughs) I mean, I can't hear things anymore. That's why I have to wear headsets.
0: You and me both, don't worry.
1: (laughs) One of the things that um, surprises me when I talk to people about LinkedIn is making sure that when it comes to your profile, you have the right settings toggled on, if you will, especially for job seekers. Is there a common like profile setting that, you know, you see most often job seekers or people who are even passively looking um, have turned off when they should have it turned on?
0: That's a good question. I would say definitely your, um, I guess it's your privacy settings would be top of the list. You don't want to make your settings. Uh, private you want to make them public so locking down content to certain connections seems a bit counterproductive on the site during a job search as you really want to advertise yourself and make yourself more visible and findable to hiring personnel Um, other things would be you know turning on the open candidates feature uh, to signal to recruiters that you're open to new opportunities Um, this is also in your privacy settings um, I'm thinking those are probably the top two settings that come to mind, but there's lots of other things, obviously you can do on the site to support your engagement and your job search during the process.
1: Yeah. One, one of them that comes to mind for me, and, and I'm just curious where you stand on this. Uh, there's a, there's a setting in there that, that you can either be visible. So you see your picture and all the information. Like if I go look at your profile, you'll actually know it was me, mm-hmm. um, or you can turn that off. When, you know, is there a time when you would want to do one versus the other, or should you just have it always turned on or always turned off, or, or do you do you think it matters?
0: Yeah. I think, you know, I think it's all kind of tied to that same, like the privacy settings, like you can pick and choose what you want to be visible. And I just feel very strongly that if you're in a job search and you're actively searching, then you should turn on as much as you can. Um, that's what the site is designed for, to share information. But you also want to, you know, make sure that you've populated your profile um, strategically so that if people do visit it and they see all that content about you, that you have, you know, carefully crafted um, messages that you want to resonate with different readers.
1: Yeah, perfect. Let's talk about that for a minute. Um, one thing that I know when I go to a lot of profiles is most people don't fill out a summary, right? Or, or I guess LinkedIn's now calling it about, Yes. <laughs> but uh, they either don't fill it out or they fill it out, you know, like, Hey, there's all the great things I've done. And I know there's advice out there. And I think you've actually posted on this before about how your profile summary should not look back. It should instead look forwards. How do you, how do you do that? How do you, how does somebody write a forward looking summary? Like what's the key thing they need to keep in mind as they write it?
0: So I always say you, you want to focus on your target of where you want to be. And that's usually a next level in your career. Um, and you need to align the content, um, of your summary and your overall profile in general. Um, you know, align it in relation to what that audience is looking for. So let's say you're working as a manager of operations, um, but you want to move up sometime in the near future to a director-level position in operations. Um, You want to write your LinkedIn copy geared towards that director-level target, not at your current management level. And so how do you do that? Well, it all comes down to research. You need to understand what's unique to that level of position. You need to know what skill sets are required. Um, You have to understand, you know, your own personal offerings and the value that you can add in that area area and you need to know what what keywords or language needs to be integrated into the profile. Um, You want to then compile strong content for your profile driven towards that audience. So it attracts the people that you want to work for and not the people or the roles that you already have. Um, So if you're often being contacted for wrong fit roles uh, based on your profile, then your profile is likely a little bit too ambiguous in content or it's not clear enough. Um, on where you want to go or what kind of job you're seeking.
1: Yeah. And what I love about what what I love actually about this whole conversation at this point on LinkedIn, especially is that the advice you're giving is not only good for job seekers and job candidates, but it's actually good for business professionals as well. Absolutely. I'm sure you've seen many business professionals who do not use LinkedIn (laughs) to its full capability.
0: Right. And there's just so much missed opportunity there. Right. Um, So you're right. Like write it for what you're looking for, write it as a a beacon, um, signaling the types of people you want to attract. Absolutely.
1: I think one one of the key things that you touched on a minute ago was using the right keywords. Mm -hmm. How do you, you know, so that's, that's a struggle for a lot of people. I think they go, okay, keyword, I kind of grasp the concept of that because Google does something with it. But when you're talking LinkedIn and professional and, you know, setting your profile and summary so that it's, it's geared towards future looking roles mm-hmm. how do you determine i mean you mentioned research but how do you determine what the right keywords would be for whatever role i, I may want to get or whatever client i may want to seek
0: you know it really does still just boil down to research and so what i sometimes would recommend to support the process is you know locate a couple of positions of interest at the level that you want to work at, and go through those job postings to pick out common skills, repetitive words, or similar requests. And those are typically the keywords um, that are being looked for in that industry or at that level. And if you're struggling, because sometimes those job postings are really thick with information, um, another trick is to maybe upload one or two of them into a word cloud and get a visual on the top or most common words and then you want to take them and you want to integrate them um, within your profile in a natural way um, within the context uh, to help support your visibility.
1: So you don't want to just type in director, 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 yeah, director. About a million director.
0: times. Right. Exactly. Because eventually someone's <laughs> going to read that and they're going to be like, whoa, uh, pass.
1: <laughs> <laughs> vice president, vice right. president, vice <laughs> president.
0: not going to work. Right. So it's still, I mean, that's the thing with keywords in general. There's so many out there and they're a little bit overused and the, you know, the, the way that they're most successful is that they're actually tied to some context.
1: You know, as you think back over the, the 10 years you've been doing this, now 10 plus years you've been doing this, what are some of the like, biggest misconceptions that you think about or that job seekers come to you with when they say, hey, I need help with my resume?
0: I would say at the top of the list is that a lot of people still think that a resume is a magic bullet. I often hear if I just have a good resume then I'm certain to get the interview or the job and unfortunately it's just not the case anymore. Um, Years ago you know the resume played I would say a heavier hand in the hiring process and it was more of a go-to tool for job success. But the job search process has evolved and resumes have evolved a lot. And there's a lot of moving parts that people need to invest in, you know, equally and fully during a job search. And you know, placing too much, I guess, emphasis on the resume itself um, can usually lead to a lot of frustrations. So I would say, you know, you have to have a diversified job search strategy. And the resume is certainly a very important part of that, but it's not the only part.
1: As you look at people, you know, so people bring you a resume that you get that you work with them on. What are some of like the biggest mistakes that you still see people make?
0: Um, I think one of the biggest things is people are writing their resume very heavily task based and not results based. Um, Meaning, you know, a resume today isn't a career chronology of all the tasks you've ever done in each past position. A good resume is, you know, developed to be a personal marketing tool and it's highly strategic. Um, Employers are reading these resumes with one purpose. They have one question. What's in it for me if I hire you? Mm. So you need to demonstrate return on investment in your resume content and that isn't best shared through task reiteration. You want to address the employer's pain points and demonstrate your abilities. And the best way to do that is through proof of results. You need to prove your claims. So, you know, an an employer will sooner believe you're an excellent team leader if you can give them several solid examples of leading select team sizes to specific positive end results. So I would say, you know, one of the mistakes people are making very often is they're regurgitating job postings into their resume,
1: Mm.
0: right? And they're not writing it more strategically.
1: Interesting. Um, so l- let me touch on that. When you say strategically, you're referring to not not just like keywords that they would put into it, but also maybe how they can contribute to the roles, trying to trying to get the hiring manager to s- like see themselves in that role. Is that what you mean by strategic?
0: I say, you know, strategic is everything from content and design. So, you know, how you put the information on the page and what specifically you say. So if there's one thing everyone must get right with their resume, it's that you have to write your resume for each unique audience. Mm -hmm. You can't generalize the file and create this one size fits all that, you know, you hope that's going to resonate with all sorts of different readers it's likely just going to lead to some frustration or failure so you really have to understand first and foremost who your target audience is right which kind of employer you want to work for what are their primary pain points what are their requirements what language do they use and then you need to form the resume from that and often i tell people you know the resume might be all about you but it isn't meant for you right there's lots of things you might like to put in a resume that you like to say about yourself or that you feel is important. But it honestly just boils down to what's important to the reader. And so you have to align your unique offerings with their unique requirements every single time.
1: Uh, one question that that leads me to ask is: right, you mentioned earlier tasks versus accomplishments. But is there a is there a good way that you can highlight more soft skills in your resume as opposed to you know the the harder skills that you know I'm certified in this or I've done this? But is there a way to say? I'm a good manager without saying I'm a good manager? <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. So you want to be careful about that. It's really tricky. It's a fine line. You need to have sometimes those those words within your resume um, for different reasons, including, you know, ATS or applicant tracking systems, which scan resumes for that kind of content. But, you know, instead of just listing something like team player in your resume and letting that sit there flat, you know, it doesn't, Offer a lot of value, um, you need to consider how you can demonstrate the application of that skill in a statement of success. So, for example, maybe you say something along the lines of I supported a team of six in the development of a new marketing plan, which produced 15% in new annual sales. And so, the team player, you know, it's a little bit more assumed um, within that statement, and it's not just like laid there to die on the page. Right. But it provides some context so that the resume reader can better gauge your actual level of ability.
1: Yeah. I'm a team player who can manage people. Right. Is that, is that no good? <laughs>
0: right? Like at the end of the day, it's like, okay, so what? And that's something I like to say to people as well. You've put something on a page, ask yourself, so what? You know, what does that mean exactly? Um, what is it going to mean to someone else? Um, can you give me more? Can you flesh it out in detail? Can you tie it to a very specific example?
1: Yeah. One of the, one of the things you said too was you need to, you can't just create one resume and send it out. No. Um, which I think many people still think that you can. And, and it, you used to probably be able to get away with that. But that's probably, I would assume that's one of the aspects of the job search process that's changed now is that you kind of have to tailor your resume to the position you're trying to, to get, right?
0: Absolutely, 100%. I don't feel that the resume would be successful in today's job market if you didn't take the time to consider your audience's needs. Employers are completely inundated these days with resumes. And even though there's these applicant tracking systems in place to support that, it just makes it even trickier to get your resume read. So, you need to ensure that the right language and keywords and again, that strategy is carefully considered each and every time you apply for a position.
1: Yeah, let's. So, the ATS is one of those probably new things in the job search strategy or process um, what what have you how have you seen the dre- the job search process or strategy evolve um, over the last few years since you've been helping people with resumes and LinkedIn profiles
0: well I mean that's gonna date me a little but like back when I first started you know like I said people could write a fairly Know, basic resume outlining the different jobs they've had, and they could send it off to employers. Maybe they saw a newspaper ad or they send it by a fax. And this is like really in the early days when I first started out. And then things kind of rapidly evolved, and this online um, application has become very popular. But, and that's become challenging as well because, you know, there's a lot more competition and people applying for roles online because they're more easily accessed. Um, But even further, you know, recently, I think it's come down to how can you get your resume now into the hands of decision makers? Um, And so that is typically how I've seen the process evolve. And that's where more of your strategy should be centered on, you know, making relationships, um, doing outreach, Um, And actually working to get your resume read versus taking a chance, rolling the dice, applying to a job online with hundreds of other people and and hoping that it gets selected.
1: So with uh, I'm going to meld I'm going to meld our two discussions together here. Like many people still think that LinkedIn is like a resume depository site. And LinkedIn now makes it so that I can apply for a job just by clicking a button that says apply. I mean, how does that impact somebody's chances of getting in front of the right people with the right message? Because they're clearly not tailoring, tailoring their LinkedIn profile to a specific role in that case. That would be a pain to have to change your LinkedIn profile every single time.
0: You know, it honestly just comes down to your overall target. And yes, you can't tailor it for every time, but you can tailor it for that overall audience. So, like I said, again, if you're looking to be that director of operations, um, You know, you write it with that audience in mind. Um, You maybe have to do some trial and error, um, put some copy up, uh, see what happens, track your activities, see how many views you get, how many people are outreaching to you. Are they in alignment with where you want to go? But the resume itself is usually, you know, I always say LinkedIn can be a little bit more personable, whereas the resume is more straight facts and you're going to withhold some of that content. In just your resume, and you're going to use the resume um, more strategically and tailor it more specifically. So because you can be a director of operations, you know, in oil and gas, or you might be a director of operations in a manufacturing industry. So there's going to be different language involved if you apply for jobs in those different industries. Um, so the resume is going to need to be tailored for that. But the LinkedIn copy overall should be able to address um, the majority of the target's requirements. So it doesn't need to be very specific, but it needs to be specific enough that the right people are going to be able to type in a search and potentially find you on the site.
1: So if there was one thing about today's job search Mm -hmm. that you wished any and every job seeker could know, what would it be?
0: (sighs) That's a big question. I would say that it's less about applying for jobs online, more about building relationships. Um, So again, a lot of jobs are not advertised. Right. And a lot of jobs are filled through referrals and networking, Um, not for everyone by any stretch of the imagination. But people that really put a lot of effort into that area typically yield better results in the process. So, for example, my husband, you know, had recently hired a bunch of people and I think the vast majority of them were referred through his network. Um, and it just goes to show the power of, you know, the referral process and getting your name put forward to different people. Um, and it just increases your success rate overall.
1: You don't just help job seekers. <laughs> I noticed as I was doing my research on you, you actually have started a business, um, called careerpreneur, careerpreneur,
0: it's a it's a mouthful, yeah, I, I agree.
1: I it, right, right. Careerpreneur partners. Which by the way, I I love I love the careerpreneur. I I wish I had thought of that. It's <laughs> a great term. <laughs> so can you tell me a little bit about careerpreneur partners? Sure. And who is it that you help and assist in, in that in that job?
0: So back in 2016, you know, my partner Skyberry and I, she's a career professional just like myself, located here in Canada. We were starting to get overwhelmed uh, for requests for help from people within our community. So people within the career community, people just like us. Um, And we decided to launch, you know, a fairly low key, easy access service for a wide range of small business requests. Um, So most of our clients are new uh, business owners or just starting out as a career professional or they're facing a growth challenge. And we provide one-on-one custom coaching to help business owners navigate small business challenges. Um, on a wide range of topics. So, you know, our thing is we want to have quick availability. We provide a listening ear and we're leveraging, you know, all our own collective many years of experience to help others just like us through lots of things that we have also experienced.
1: What do you think is the, one of the most common things that you hear from some of those clients?
0: Right now, based on the fact that the career industry is so large and competitive, it's how come I'm not getting any business? Mm. Um, you know, How can I grow my business to be more viable? And it comes down to, it's just like what we say for job seekers, you need to have a very clear idea of who you are, of who your target market is, and your branding. Um, So typically, there's a gap somewhere in that process that just needs to be revisited and strengthened uh, to help support them with that process. Um, In addition, I'd say a lot of people struggle. They think they can just hang a shingle, put up a website, sit back, and people are going to start, you know, knocking on the door. And that's not always the case. Uh, You need to really get out there and get visible these days. And social media, for me, is a big one. It's a big thing that I think every business needs to adopt um, and execute with care.
1: Okay, I'm a new business owner. I don't. I don't like to put myself out there. Am I in trouble?
0: This is hard for me because I. I would say yes, but there's probably people that could prove me wrong. <laughs> um, just because I haven't come across anyone that hasn't put themselves out there and is doing super super well. That's just my my personal take on it that I've seen within my own comings and goings, I would say at some point, you know, to stay competitive, yeah, you got to put yourself out there in some way, shape or form.
1: You also run another company because one's not enough, right? You got to have two companies that you run. (laughs) (laughs) But I would say probably your main business, Career Impressions. Mm -mm. What are some of the services and uh, product offerings that you provide at Career Career Impressions?
0: Yep. So, career impressions is my baby, and that's definitely something I've been doing um, for the longest period of time. And there, I specialize in executive resume writing and LinkedIn profile creation for what I like to call forward-thinking senior professionals and executives uh, located primarily throughout North America. Um, I really love partnering with top professionals who have a very clarified job target in mind to help them land their next level role um, by packaging up their career story. So, in addition to writing resumes, which is you know the primary focus of my business and LinkedIn profiles, I also offer job search strategy coaching and interview coaching.
1: Tell me about interview coaching.
0: It's one-on-one. Um, for now, I just offer it kind of as a as an add-on to my primary services, which are the resume writing uh, focus. So, it would be I offer. Um, both, you know, strategy and um, mock interview practice and preparation.
1: Which can be extremely helpful, especially if you have not interviewed in a long time.
0: Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with a little practice, right? Everybody can benefit from it for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Adrian. I could probably talk to you all day. In fact, I know I could. But (laughs) all good things must come to an end. So for those who are interested, they want to learn more about you, your businesses, or how you can help them in their career searches, what are some of the best ways for them to get in touch with you?
0: Uh, The very best way is probably through my website, uh, www.careerimpressions.ca. Um, I'm rolling out a new website next month. So stay tuned for that. But I'm also, like I said, very visible on different um, social media platforms. So I'm on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.
1: Awesome. highly recommend people follow you on LinkedIn. Thank you. Do you have any final thoughts, tips, or words of wisdom that you would like to leave with anyone who is listening today?
0: Um, You know, I'm going to share a little tidbit of a career advice that I like to to give out. And that is, you know, I like to tell people your career success is ultimately up to you. Um, It's not up to your boss or your manager. So if you're really yearning for a promotion or recognition or higher compensation, then you need to take the wheel and drive yourself places. Um, this means creating and maintaining a career management plan and executing it with care and regularly investing in your career because investing in your career is an investment in your future.
1: I know that was one of the hardest things for me to do at one point in my career was to actually spend money on developing a skill set that would be used for me. And um, I think a lot of people just, you know, they think their company is going to take care of it. Yeah. And they just don't think about the importance of. You know, go into a conference, for example, in an area of interest to meet people. Right, It's super critical these days. I especially, I think.
0: Right, with the future work and the way things are going, um, yeah, you have to continuously invest in skills upgrading. Uh, it's it's very important.
1: Excellent, Adrian. Thank you very much for being a guest on the podcast today. I know I've learned a lot, and I'm sure a lot of folks listening will have as well.
0: Perfect. Thanks so much for having me, Ryan
1: not about you. It's about your audience. Whether your audience is a hiring manager or a potential customer. If you want to capture their attention, you need to position yourself as the candidate or the business who can solve the problems they face. To do this, you need to conduct research. You need to research the potential roles that you're interested in and you need to research your potential customers. Find out what's important to them, the challenges that they're facing, and how what you offer can help them resolve those challenges. Your past accomplishments can shine a light on how well you can resolve those challenges for your customers, and you should talk about them to demonstrate your authority and your credibility. But more importantly, you need to show prospective employers or potential clients how you can leverage your past accomplishments into future results for them. This is why you need to craft a future-facing resume or LinkedIn profile, which can be challenging. But the good news is, is that when you're ready for an update, Adrian is ready to help you out. Adrian, thank you for being a guest on the podcast today. I'm honored that you chose this show for your first podcast appearance. And I suspect that there will be many more podcast appearances in your future. As for you, loyal listener, thank you for tuning in today. I appreciate you listening in to our conversation. And when you're ready to put yourself out there, make sure that you do it the right way. Pick up a copy of my book, Career Cred, and get started by following the four simple steps inside that you can use to build your brand and boost credibility in your career straight away. That's it for me. I've been Ryan, and I'm out. Today's show was edited and produced by Ryan Roden Today's music is called Hudson Hawk by Dion Beach. And the transition music is My Heart is in Hawaii by Dresden the Flamingo. All licenses for today's show were purchased via Soundstrike.com.